What up, 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 Folks, what's going on? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast. The podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. This is episode 152 of the Spun Today podcast. And in this episode, I speak about a couple stand-up comedy specials being Tom Papa's You're Doing Great and Tom Segura's Ball Hog. I also speak about a couple of Oscar-nominated movies I recently watched, being Ford vs. Ferrari and Parasite. If you're interested in my intelligent, thoughtful, wise, and probably full-of-shit surface misguided thoughts on any of that stuff stick around and if not as always i welcome you to kick rocks but first in either scenario here's a quick way that you can help support this podcast this show the spun today podcast that is absolutely free will not cost you a dime but definitely goes a long way subscribe to my free weekly newsletter Here's what it's about. You know that feeling that you get on a Monday when you're sad because the weekend is over and you have nothing to look forward to except for lunch? Have no fear. The Midday Monday Boost Letter is here. And you might be thinking, what is the Midday Monday Boost Letter? Sounds like a mouthful. And it is. But it's also more than that. I put together this absolutely free newsletter that I email to all my subscribers every Monday at noon to spread a little joy and happiness. If you choose to subscribe, all you have to do is go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and drop in your email address. And what you'll get is five things. You'll get a photo of the week, which who doesn't like looking at dope pictures. You'll also get a podcast of the week. I listen to dozens and dozens of podcasts every single week from a wide variety of shows. And I cherry pick the very best ones and share them with you as my recommendation for that week. Also in the Midday Monday Boost Letter, you will find a video of the week, which could be anything from a cool online recipe that I found, to a rap battle, to a TED Talk, or a dope interview. I also share a quote of the week, a little food for thought, as well as a word of the week for my fellow wordsmiths out there. Again, this is all absolutely free, and you can get my newsletter by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address, and you will get the very next one. First up this week is Tom Papa's new comedy special, You're Doing Great. If you're not familiar with Tom Papa, he is considered a clean comic meaning he doesn't curse a lot, and it's a family-friendly show. A lot of his comedy is family-oriented. So think along the lines of like a Jim Gaffigan or Sebastian Maniscalco or Jerry Seinfeld. Like if I had to separate comedy into those two categories, clean versus dirty, he would be on the clean side. But obviously comedy is much more nuanced of an art form 
than that. But in very, very broad strokes, he's on that side of the comedy spectrum. I myself am a fan of comedy, period. I like all different types of comedy. As long as it's coming from folks that are passionate about what they're doing. And Tom Pop is definitely a craftsman. And without a doubt, one of the best at what he does. I really like one of his bits that I'm not going to give away too much from the special because this is actually a bit that's cut up and and part of one of the trailers for the show so if you haven't seen the special you know don't worry check it out i'm not like spoiling it all for you or anything like that but he speaks about making a really bad business decision in getting married and having two kids because it's just costing him money and money and money and he plays around with that thought for a while and then goes into the fact that you know on some nights his wife and kids are sound asleep without a care in the world and he's standing naked and alone in a dark hallway wrapped in fear (laughs) and he's talking about all of a sudden being hit with the realization that their lives depend on him you know being the breadwinner and protector of the family and it freaks him the fuck out and he's like, I, you know, I, I can never let them let them see that. I can't show that, you know, like level of vulnerability. You know, it's not like I can just go into my daughter's room at 2 a.m. and sit at the foot of the bed and wake her up and say, hey, 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 hi. Um, do you ever feel like you're not going to make it? <laughs> I like Tom Papa, though. I like his his sense of humor, his point of view. There's like a a lightness to him, like a levity to him. He's been on Rogue in a bunch, and it's always an enjoyable listen when he's on. And a fun fact about Tom Papa is that he bakes bread. Him actually being on Rogan's podcast a couple years back and bringing some of the bread he baked, and you know they were speaking about baking bread and i think the new york times or some publication some like big newspaper publication pretty sure it was the times reached out to him and he wrote like like a an op-ed or an article about bread baking and it's important to note that top papa is the like writing type because you have comics that you know write on stage you have comics that and by right on stage, I mean literally not write anything down or just have bullet points and then just off the top of the dome, figure out their set on stage as they're saying it. And they develop bits and a set and ultimately a special just by repetition and 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 muscle memory. Then you have comics that literally write down every fucking comma, every period, just write out their jokes verbatim. And that's the spectrum. So you have everything else in between, you know, like a combination of both. And Tom Papa is definitely the writing type. You know, has a dedicated writing room in his house, set hours to write, nine to five, you know, type of thing. And I'm not saying those are the exact hours that he writes. I'm just saying that to highlight the structure. But anyway, I say all that just to say that it's not far-fetched that, you know, he he wrote an article for a news publication anyway then that parlayed into him having 
a show on the Food Network called like Baking Bread with Tom or something like that, which had a season and maybe two, but I think uh, one season and, and was short lived because of some some beef or some issues with uh, Guy Fieri, if I'm not mistaken. And then Tom just went on to producing his own videos and putting them on on YouTube around the whole baking baking bread thing which incidentally worked out great for me because I watched his videos and tried baking bread again. Because back, when was it? It, it actually might have been from hearing Tom Papa when I initially tried to make my own sourdough starter and, and bake uh, sourdough bread. And it was, I want to say, a couple of years ago. And I did that by, you know, just YouTubing it and following a bunch of different recipes and and combining different procedures as i normally do because for me whenever i cook anything or bake anything like i have to like follow shit to the t like i'm not an artist when it comes to to cooking or baking you know i know i know people that can see like a list of ingredients and just like know to like put a dash of this and taste and then you know it needs this it needs that i can't do that at all like i have to follow step-by-step precise instructions whenever i make anything what i do do though is if i'm looking up a recipe let's say let's stick with the sourdough bread like i'll watch the way a few different people do it and i'll see where they know that they have the ability like you can tell where they know they have the ability to get artistic with something and by artistic, I just mean you know, not be like completely scientific and precise with, with something, whether it be a folding technique or the amount of time to bake or the way to, to use the lamb and slice the bread or, you know, the 25 grams of whole wheat versus 50 of bread flour or vice versa, or it doesn't matter as long as you just have 75 grams total so you know what i mean like i see where each of them get a little loose with it and then there i know that i can plug and play so if i like what one person's technique is with the folding but i like what another person's combination of flowers is like i'll mix those two together like that's where i'll get creative with recipes but aside from that like i'll follow everything else to the t if not, I'll just get fucking lost. But anyway, after I found out about, you know, Tom's uh, cooking show and then him putting the videos on YouTube, I decided to check, check it out. And, you know, it was fun to watch. Obviously, he's a comic. He makes shit, you know, light and funny. And I, again, combined some of his techniques with uh, two, maybe three others. And, you know, I gave the whole sourdough bread thing another shot. And I had fun doing it. Made some really good bread. Had a couple duds. I posted them actually on my Instagram. You guys can can check it out. You can see like uh, the video process of me doing it. And the final product basically at Spun Today on Instagram. And also, I actually believe this week, this past Monday's Midday Monday Boost Letter. Which, if you're asking yourself what is the Midday Monday Boost Letter, go kill yourself. But that is my weekly newsletter. And I believe this week or last week, 
the featured video of the week was Tom Papa's baking bread video. And that's the type of cool shit that you can see if you subscribe to my free weekly newsletter by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe. Anyway, Tom Papa is a funny comic. His special, You're Doing Great, is streaming on Netflix and definitely worth a watch. Go check it out. Tom Segura has a special out called Ball Hog. And if you don't know what a ball hog is, you should definitely Google the term. Some of you might enjoy it. Now, uh, Tom Segura is definitely what would be considered a dirty comic. You know, he has a much uh, darker sense of humor, but fucking hilarious nonetheless. I think this is like his fourth, maybe fifth Netflix comedy special. He does really well with Netflix. He is married to another comic called Christina P. Christina Pajitsky, who also has a couple of comedy specials on Netflix. And they do a podcast together called Your Mom's House. They also have two kids, two boys, actually both toddlers, I want to say. Like the oldest one can't, I don't think he's more than like three or four. And then they have like a newborn or like one, two years old, maybe around that range. And what stands out the most to me about Tom Segura always has always been the case is his stoic demeanor, which makes his delivery just stand out that much more like he can say the most absurd shit the darkest shit the funniest shit the most like risque shit and just like with a straight face to the point that that in and of itself makes you laugh that much harder (laughs) so he has this one bit about talking about the difference between the love of a pet versus the love of a child and how you know he has a dog and you know before he had kids he obviously didn't know the difference between you know the some folks that don't have kids and say oh i have you know i have a dog it's like the same thing as having a kid and he talks about how you know the love of a pet is real but it really ain't shit compared to having a kid and then he tries to give an example to folks that may not have children that he wants to get this point across to and he says that he loves his dog, but if the dog were to like attack and bite one of his kids, he would, without hesitation, grab and drown that dog. <laughs> and <laughs> the way he says it, the way he does it, it's like you expect him to say something like, you know, I'll grab that dog and, you know, put it up for adoption or I'll kick it or, you know, like something like that. But he goes, I'll grab and drown that dog. Like, he takes such sharp turns. Like, you you know the direction that he's going in. But he he just goes so much more extreme with it that it's unexpected. You know what I mean? And he takes these sharp turns. And then, on top of that, he, like, doubles down on it. And he's like, and I'll hold his head down, like, through the yelps and... Until it stops yelping. And I'll kill that fucking dog. And then... What's even more ingenious is that he'll break the fourth wall and, you know, some of the audience is like ooing and some of them are, you know, cracking up. And he's like, you know, this is a very telling joke. Audiences 
all over the place. Whenever I tell this joke, it kind of divides the audience. It's like some folks are like, oh, my God, you overdid it with like the yelping. Please don't say the yelping. The You know, please don't do the sounds. Like that was like a little over the top. And then he's like, and then some audience members are like, yeah, do the yelp, man. That's my favorite shit. <laughs> Which is true. It's like I can definitely see that spectrum of interpretation spectrum by the way is apparently the word of the day for the podcast i think i've used it like five times already in case you guys hadn't noticed he's fucking hilarious man then then he goes on to say that then his son starts crying because the dog is dead and he you know he he goes over to his son and gives him the dog the dead dog and the son is like crying like why'd you kill him and you know what am i supposed to do with him now and then he like triples down and tells his son well if you learn to fucking defend yourself i would have to do shit like this <laughs> and, <laughs> and i don't know it might not be your type of comedy but to me funny is funny and unexpected in comedy just makes shit hilarious and getting unexpected in comedy when you expect unexpected and it's still unexpected is just fucking brilliant like, even if you just remove the subject matter, if you're not a fan of that, if you just look at it from a craft perspective and the ability to pull that off, you have to tip your hat to that. And the last thing I want to share is a quick little clip from this comedy special, which is not a joke or a bit or anything like that. But it's like a quick little 30-second snippet that's motivational and i thought worth sharing so here you go i like it and i'll tell you this i want you to have crazy dreams i'm serious i really do i'll give you the best advice sincerely not a joke that i ever got about pursuing a dream and i hope it applies to all of you okay here's the truth i think this is true as long as you accept that your dream might not go exactly as you plan, you will still feel fulfilled by the pursuit of your dream. So always go after whatever you want to do. Otherwise, what's the point in living, right? And that is Tom Segura's Ball Hog stand-up comedy special, which is streaming now on Netflix. Check it out. Ford vs. Ferrari. I wanted to watch this movie. A coworker of mine told me it was really good. And it was also one of the movies that was up for movie of the year. And those usually don't disappoint. At least for, for my taste. Except for that fucking awful fish fucking love movie of that lady that fall, fell in love with like an alien mermaid man fish. Whatever the fuck. Undersea, under, uh, I don't even remember the name. Anyway, except for that one. That was like one of these Oscar movies. Most of them don't disappoint. (laughs) So I wanted, you know, I wanted to watch all this year's uh, Oscar flicks and I haven't seen them all yet, but Ford versus Ferrari is definitely one of them. And it's one that did not disappoint. It was a very, very good film. It starred Matt Damon. Matt Damon and Christian Bale, which are two of today's, in my opinion, best actors. Now, this is based on a true story that takes place in the 1960s. 
and has to do with the Ford Motor Company wanting to beat Enzo Ferrari at this iconic, now iconic, yearly racing event called Le Mans in France. It's one of these racing events that lasts 24 hours and different car companies put up like their best designers and engineers to work on you know a small fleet of cars like two or three cars that they're going to put in this event to you know showcase their their skills their car development skills their engineering their speed their traction their everything and ferrari wins this event year in and year out no competition and in the movie which i'm not sure if this piece is actually based on the true events but the character that plays uh lee iacocca played by john bernthal which was in the movie the accountant and played ben affleck's brother and i think he was in walking dead although i didn't really follow that show but my wife did his character in the movie pitches to the now ceo of ford which is henry ford the second that they should approach Ferrari about purchasing Ferrari or a, pers- or a large percentage of their company. It's at a time where sales are dwindling for Ford and long story short, they go to pitch Ferrari on, on that sale. Ferrari tells them to go fuck themselves and Henry Ford and team get a hard on to beat Ferrari at this yearly event, this Le Mans that they are the pinnacle of. So Lee Iacocca is tasked with putting this team together that could actually pull something like this off. And the first person he goes to is Matt Damon, which is a legendary race car driver by this point in the movie, but has since retired due to uh, health conditions. He kind of sees it as, you know, his career being cut short because he still, you know, wanted to race, but he just couldn't anymore. But he was he was st- he was so ill that he already had a legendary status. So Matt Damon's character, which is uh, Carol Shelby, is becomes this visionary car designer, and from day one was saying that Ken Miles, which is the character of Christian Bale, is the only driver worth his salt that would be able to pull a feat like this off, if they were successful in building a race car that could rival Ferrari. Now, the thing with Ken Miles was that he was the best driver, but an absolute loose cannon. Everything was always his way or the highway. He cut off his nose to spite his face. He's like that type of dude. But when it came to skills, when it came to driving, even legendary Carol Shelby recognized that Ken Miles would be the only one to be able to like pull this type of thing off. Then throughout the movie, they're dealing with corporate bullshit and interference from other folks within the ford corporation that want to do things a certain way and they try to cock block ken miles being the driver even though that's what matt damon wants because you know he's not you know quote-unquote corporate material and you know he's not a controllable guy then you have the other side of the corporation which is uh lee iacocca and you know the guy that brought this thing together but he only has like so much pull and quick aside, in real life, Lee Iacocca is responsible for developing the Mustang, the Ford Mustang, and then eventually he became um, the CEO of Chrysler 
in the 1980s and like revived Chrysler from being a company that was, you know, close to being run into the ground. So that's a pretty cool, fun fact for you. But yeah, the movie's so good. It's definitely about passion. It's about Carol Shelby living vicariously through Ken Miles, who is still able to drive. It's about Ken Miles proving and that he's able to live up to his potential, both to himself and to, to his loved ones, like his wife, like his kid. It's about Ken Miles' son who idolized his dad. You know, his dad is his hero and he wanted to like be seen by his dad so badly. It's about the Ford CEO, Henry Ford II, passionately and really wanting to fill in his father's shoes or his grandfather's shoes or his father's shoes. Because uh, he was kind of like sort of like in the shadow of the, you know, a great iconic Henry Ford. And it's about all of them being passionate about beating Ferrari at this race. And spoiler alert, I'll give you guys a second to fast forward in case you haven't seen the movie. They fucking pull it off at the end. And Ken Miles was absolutely that dude. Even though he had some issues and setbacks during the race, he far surpassed everyone. And at least as depicted in the movie, was so far ahead that he was definitely going to win. And the corporate cock-blocking bullshit, as happens within corporations sometimes when certain folks work in silos, if you will, and are able to exert some form of, of influence and are corrupted by the pettiness of the power that they happen to hold within certain moments. They made him, instead of crossing the finish line alone since he was so far ahead, they asked him to fall back and wait for the other two Ford cars to catch up to him so they can all three cross the finish line together so that there can be this iconic photo of all three Ford cars finishing and it'll, you know, make headlines and be a dope picture for the company, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which he wound up obliging. And you can actually look up the actual photos from that iconic race. You'll see like the three Ford cars in the 1966 Le Mans. You know what? I'll actually link to an article that speaks about the original event and actually has a photo up at the, at the top of the three Ford cars approaching the finish line. So you guys can check that out. I'll link to it in the episode notes. Then this story has a pretty sad ending in that Ken Miles, you know, after the fact, after all is said and done, they accomplished this ginormous fleet, fleet, uh, feat. And, you know, they continued, you know, working on cars and doing what they love and, you know, preparing for subsequent seasons and other races and in working on a car out of their warehouse, you know, their Ken Miles was like test driving on a track and his wife is there, his kid is there, you know, it's seems like a regular type of day, you know, post this race, Matt Damon's there. A couple of the workers are there as well. And it kind of seems like like it came off to me as like they're working, but, you know, they're working on something that they love. So it doesn't really feel like work. And it's kind of like a weekend feel to it. And they're like, you know, like grilling food or something and kind of like chilling and working. You know what I mean? And, you know, he's going around on the track. 
he just loses control of the car and you just see at a distance a crash and a ball of fire and then everybody you know rushing to the car because there was an earlier scene in the movie with a crash and a fire when they were testing the first car which is kind of foreshadowing i guess the the inevitability of what was going to happen but kind of gets out of the car you know they put out like the flames that are on him and stuff and you know he's relatively unhurt you know not hurt or anything and then sadly you know this time around at the end he dies in in that accident and his kid is there to see it his wife and it was just like a devastating way for him to go out yeah ironically a fitting kind of way for him to go out you know doing something that he loved to do and in a blaze of glory, if you will. But yeah, man, it's a it's a really dope movie. It's called Ford vs. Ferrari. And I definitely recommend that you guys check it out. And last but not least is Parasite. The 2020 Oscar-nominated and Oscar-winning Best Picture of the Year. So I went into it blind. I had no idea what the movie was about. Which is kind of cool to do sometimes. Like, for the most part, I kind of like knowing, I guess it's probably like a control thing. I, I, I kind of like knowing what I'm getting into. You know, when I'm investing time in, like, a show or a movie, definitely more so a show. Because it's such a, like, large undertaking, but a movie, it's like, you know, if it sucks, it's like an hour, hour and a half a year of your time. But sometimes there are movies that I just completely go into it blind. Like, I, for some reason, dodge knowing what it's about and don't really see any trailers for it and you know, kind of hear the buzz of, you know, people talking that it's good, and obviously it's up for a nomination and won, so it must be good. Well, asterisk on that must be, because, again, that fucking fish love movie. Like, you can't fill up a room with water. You can't close the door in the bathroom, run the water, and the whole room is going to fill up with water. Like, it's going to go through the cracks, like, through the floors, through the door, like, come on. Anyway. <laughs> and by the way i'm all for the suspension of disbelief but some movies just they don't you have to earn that right for your audience to suspend disbelief because sometimes it's just like so bad and sucks that you're like no i don't want to go along for this ride fucking mermaid man movie anyway i digress so <laughs> i went into this movie blind i had no idea what it was about and it winds up being about this family of con artists that are the protagonists of the film. And these are people that are, you know, technically doing an awful thing, if you think about it. But you wind up rooting for them and even like feeling sorry for them at times. Like the father's kind of like a loser and he's had like several jobs off and on. And he's not really like the provider of the family and they're like scraping by. And they all live, you know, like the father, his wife, and his son and daughter live in this like small, tight basement apartment. And they work together in folding pizza boxes for like a pizza delivery company that pays them like per box. And the co that company in and of itself is shady because they're like stiffing them on a percentage of payments because they're claiming that some of the boxes are bent. And they're just like in a, a fucked up situation. And by the way, the movie is in Korean and it's with subtitles. 
that you need, obviously, to follow the movie. Unless you, you know, speak Korean, obviously. But the son winds up getting a lucky break. One of his boys passes by and his boy is a year or two older than him. And he's going away to college or to a certain year in college. Like he has to go away for some reason, like to another country. And he is tutoring the daughter of this rich family, this really, really wealthy family. And the mother of that family asked him to find a, a substitute tutor since he's going away, you know, somebody that he trusts, etc. So he comes over to his boy, which is, you know, the son that lives in the small basement apartment folding pizza boxes. And he tells him, you know, listen, I want you to do me the solid, you know, it'll be, you know, it pays well. You know, I trust you in tutoring this girl because once I come back, I want to, you know, ask her to marry me or whatever. And I don't trust any of the guys from the college because they're just going to, you know, try to sleep with her or whatever. So the the kid obliges and, you know, he's not in college yet. So the sister, his sister, winds up forging all the college paperwork. So that's when, like, you get a little glimpse into they're into something shady or are able at least to do, like, shady things. And it completely works. He gets in with the family. The mother really likes him. He starts tutoring the girl, and then he winds up falling for the girl himself. And they start having a romance between them two. And then he starts devising a plan to get his sister to work with this wealthy family as well. In that, uh, like, the mother mentions that the little boy of that rich family, he's, like, into art, but their art teacher is not, like, too good or something like that. And he says that he knows of the friend of a cousin of his that studied art in Chicago and she's really high priced, but supposedly like really good, etc. You know, the mom is like, oh shit, you know, you have to introduce me to her. And it's actually his sister. Um, so he gets the sister in. So now they're both working with the family. And like a parasite, you know, they're like, taking over this host (laughs) and little by little then there's a driver that the father uses the father's like a a successful business businessman you know like the workaholic type and he has this driver and then the brother and sister wind up setting up the driver she leaves like a her panties like under the car seat and they make it seem like he's you know, like having sex in the car and it's kind of, you know, it's the family car that he drives the family in and they don't want that type of shit going on. So they want to find that driver. And then the sister mentions knowing a driver that, you know, drove for many years, etc. And then gets the father in and then the father becomes the, the driver for the family. Then the last installation that they have to do is the, the mom. They need to get her into the family. So they have this very, very trusted for many years maid that is in the house 24 7 and it's like entre lo tres they being the father the son the daughter like devised this plan and obviously the mother as well but they devised this plan that the other three implement in making the maid seem like she's sick and she has tuberculosis and she's contagious and she's gonna give it to the family and they have to get rid of her like type of thing and then they wind up swooping the mother in. So the movie's showing all along how like gullible the mother is, how like disconnected the father is. 
and then you find yourself at least i did like rooting for these like con artists but then you're like all right when is like the jig gonna be up like you know what happens now like they all have jobs they're all getting paid they're all living off this wealthy family i'm expecting like a happy-ish ending you know like them just parlaying the money and then going legit and or something like that but it winds up taking a dark turn (laughs) a super unexpected turn that all happens when the maid that they set up comes back to the house one night when the family's off on a family trip the new family you know being like like the workers that you know like the driver the maid the the son and the daughter they're just like lounging and chilling in the house because they know that the family's going to be away so they just like take over the house and acting like it's theirs and just like chilling like having like a little little party whatever and then the maid that they got rid of shows up at the front door and you know she says that she's left something there if they could please let her in you know they everybody goes to hide because only their new maid should be there technically and then you know she lets her in and then they realize that she's going into this like secret basement compartment that even the owners of the house didn't know about there's a man which happens to be the old maid's husband living in that secret basement compartment place basically she he was always living there because he was running away from like creditors that were trying to kill him and she just like hit him there and would feed him and sneak him food every day and that's how they lived their lives but then once she got kicked out of the house she hadn't been back to feed him in many many days and then this whole story started to unravel and then there was a this big fight between them like physically the new maid got hurt they thought you know maybe she died maybe she didn't but then the owners of the house were coming back to the house early and unexpected so they had to like lock these people and tie them up and leave them in the basement and then there was this like surprise birthday party that was like an impromptu thing that the family put together so everybody's there family friends and then you know the the workers the new maid and the son of the daughter and the the father that's the driver you know know that they have this lady the old maid locked in the basement that may or may not be dead her husband that's definitely in there tied up and you know they have to go back down they have to figure something out they can't just leave him there and the son goes to like sneak in to like take him some food or something and fuck i forgot exactly what happened but he winds up getting attacked by the guy with like this big ass rock that the son was like carrying around or some shit that's a different story in and of itself he thought it was like the source of his like good luck or good fortune or something because the friend that hooked him up with the job gave it to him it's like a, a big rock mantle type of thing anyway i think that's what the guy in the basement hit him with but then the son looks like he's fucking dead he's like bleeding out of his head just like unconscious and shit and then the guy comes out and he has a knife and he goes to stab the daughter he stabs the daughter then the driver the father you know there's like chaos and so people are running and screaming and pe- you know the other the father the owner of the house goes to like try to help or something i might be like misremembering it but there was just like a lot of chaos a lot of bullshit going on then the son that we thought was dead is not dead and he comes to help then the father that's the driver he's like fed up with the the rich guy the owner guy that he's like driving around 
and he like made him feel like really inferior or like subhuman or like something and he had this like resentment towards him because he overheard him mentioning to his wife that he thinks that the driver smells and it's like a like the way a subway smells or something like that it's like a distinct smell that he doesn't like etc and like that kind of like stayed with the driver and like under his skin and shit and he was just like pissed off and como que lo tenía como de chopo you know what i mean and like he's the driver but now he's he's like dressing up at this birthday party to like appease this guy's kid and he's like what the fuck and he was just like fed up and he winds up in all the commotion and shit stabbing the father like the owner of the house and killing him and then people are just screaming and running away and then everybody's running their own way the daughter winds up dying the daughter uh which was the forger she winds up dying the son and mother wind up getting like probation or something like that they don't wind up getting locked up for what they did the father of the rich family dies then the the driver the one that you know stabbed the the father of the rich family winds up fleeing with everybody else but then sneaking into that secret secret basement compartment and like hiding out there and he's like never again seen and you know cops and nobody could ever try to track him down because you know the video cameras just show him like leaving the house but then he like snuck back in through the side and into that basement and then you know the family that lived there wind up moving away the house was sold to somebody else to a different family and he wound up taking on the role of that other guy that used to live there which is like sneaking sneaking up late at night to try to get some food sometimes and you know the house passed ownership a couple times and the movie ends with the son who you don't know if he's like just in the fucking loony bin now or something like that because he's after getting hit in the head and like you know bleeding a lot like he was always like laughing and like awkwardly and he just seemed out of it he seemed like fucked up in the head and he said he has a new plan now and his new plan is like to make a lot of money and then buy the house so that him and the mother can move there and then he can the father can again you know come out of the basement come out of hiding basically and he knew that his father was there only because after several months or maybe years the father learned morse code and there was this uh, light on the outside of the house that was powered by a button in the basement and the father was using that as like morse code to get a message out to the son and tell him you know how he escaped and stuff like that which was also foreshadowed by earlier in the movie the little kid that was you know had the sister artist uh tutor he used to play with the lights uh in a similar way and understood like morse code because he was like a cup scout or some shit like that parasite man took a fucking unexpected turn definitely an interesting watch definitely worth the watch i was absolutely not disappointed that i saw it i definitely see why it was nominated for best picture but and i definitely would leave it up there with the with the other films that were nominated for for best picture but i would have leaned toward and this is probably just like a taste thing i would have leaned towards the joker winning best picture or uh, once upon a time in hollywood over parasite there's a few more that i haven't seen i haven't seen 1917 yet i haven't seen uh little women yet i haven't seen jojo rabbit i don't even know what that is 
and I haven't seen Marriage Story, but I definitely want to watch them. Uh, the Irishman is up there. Ford vs Ferrari, obviously. Um, some really good fucking movies this year, man. Anyway, guys and gals, that is my recap, my reflection on the movie Parasite. I recommend it to you, fine folks, to go check out. And with that, I will close the show. This was episode 152 of the Sponsor Day podcast. It's been 152 of these fucking episodes. And I appreciate each and every one of you that take the time to listen and rock out with me. I appreciate you very, very much. Please stay tuned. Listen to some tunes. Vibe out with me for a bit. And then hear a few different ways that you can help support the show. Besides just subscribing to my newsletter, the Midday Monday Boost Letter, which is absolutely free. There's a bunch of other ways you can help support the show if you so choose. So stick around for a bit and check it out. Peace. My songs can make you cry, take you by surprise at the same time. Can make you dry your eyes with the same rhyme. So what you're seeing is a genius at work. To me isn't work, so it's easy to misinterpret it at first Cause when I speak, it's tongue-in-cheek I yank my fucking teeth before I'd ever bite my tongue I slice my gums, get struck by fucking lightning twice at once And die and come back as vanilla ice as sun And walk around the rest of my life spit on and kicked and hit with shit Every time I sung, like R. Kelly as soon as bumping grind comes on With more pain inside of my brain than the eyes of a little girl inside of a plane Aimed at the world trade, standing on Hey folks, Tony here, and I hope you're enjoying the show as much as I enjoy putting it together for you. If you'd like to support, I'd really appreciate it, and we'll give you a one-stop shop of sorts on how to do so. If you can make your way over to spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll find a bunch of different ways where you can do just that. There you'll find an Amazon banner similar to the other banners found throughout my website that you can click on and will take you to Amazon where you can do your shopping like you normally do. This will not cost you anything extra and Amazon will pay me a percentage just for driving traffic to their website. It's a great way to help support the show financially without actually having to come out of pocket. At sponsorday.com forward slash support, you'll also find links to my Patreon and Kofi pages. Patreon and Kofi are two similar websites where you can set up reoccurring donations for the show. If you want to donate a dollar per month, a dollar per episode, a hundred dollars per episode, whatever you like, you can check out either one of those two services there. There's actually also a Patreon video that's kind of like a little tutorial explanation video of how Patreon actually works. Also at spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll find a direct donation button where you, you can donate by way of PayPal. You'll find a link to Apple Music, which works similar to the Amazon banner. You can click on it. It'll take you to Apple's website where you can do your purchasing like you normally do. And again, it does not cost you anything extra. 
but I will get paid a percentage just for driving traffic to their website. And you'll also find links to the Spun Today viral style store. This is where you can get Spun Today related merch. And you'll find things like these cool premium t-shirts that have uh, writing related sayings on them that I put together myself. I'm definitely not a clothing designer by any stretch of the imagination, but I put together things that I wanted to see and, and uh, wear myself. A couple of my favorites are the one that says writing is life and another one that says write need every day and it has like a puff of smoke looking design right behind uh, those words. You'll also find a sponsored a coffee mug and a really cool color changing mug that's related to my debut novel Fractal. It's completely black and when it gets hot when you put in coffee or tea it starts changing to white and it also exposes the cover art for my novel fractal it's pretty dope so definitely check all that stuff out which again you can find by going to sponsor.com forward slash support and of course do not forget to follow me on all of your social media at sponsor on twitter at sponsor on instagram subscribe to the sponsor youtube channel where you can find clips and excerpts from the podcast along with other cool content like the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash spun today. Also, don't forget to check out all the free shit that I have on my website as well. Go to spun forward slash free writing. And there you're going to find dozens and dozens and dozens of free writing pieces that you can check out for motivation and inspiration and just some general food for thought. You can check out some of my photography at spuntoday.com forward slash photography. Feel free to take any of those pictures and use them as you wish. I set it up so that you can like copy and download the photos. And my short stories are available at spuntoday.com forward slash short stories. And last but certainly not least, my pride and joy corner spuntoday.com forward slash books here you will find my published books which you find folks can find links to purchase them on amazon whether you want hard copies or digital uh, kindle copies that's the spot for you thank you very much for being a spun today listener and as always substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams Thanks for listening.